Hello, friend, and welcome to the Subnormal Podcast. My name is Lauren, and this is a podcast where I interview artists, creators, and makers with spiritual practices to see how those spiritual practices influence what they do and what they create. Today's episode is with the one and only Kill Jones. They are a artist, visionary, jeweler, and creator in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, born and raised. I originally met Kill at New Teacher Orientation about three years ago when I first started working for Mastery. And at the time, I didn't really know them outside of being another art teacher within the um, Mastery Charter world. But after following them on Instagram, I soon learned that they not only were a jeweler and metalsmith, they were also a visionary. Their work is Afrofuturistic. And if you haven't heard that term before, it's definitely one you should be Googling because this is probably the biggest, most encompassing art movement happening right now. That's been not happening for just a short period of time but literally decades and has taken the forefront of our society as a whole. So with that said, I usually like to sit here and try to paint a picture of the artist's work and then urge you to look up their work to give you some more clarity. But today I must urge you even more so to look them up. Their work is really hard to describe because some of the work that they make, I'm not seeing it anywhere else. And that's kind of the beauty of it. We talk about their head crests a lot because the crests are not just a physical adornment. They're an extension of Kill's own spiritual journey. And that's not something that's easy to describe. It's organic, it's futuristic, but yet somehow ancient. It looks like something that would belong in ancient Egypt or on a spaceship. So there's this timelessness to it that's really hard to contextualize. You can look up their work though under the moniker of Black Marzian. So you can find that at blackmarzian.com, Black Martian on Instagram and Patreon. Um, but that is spelled B-L-A-C-K-M-A-R-Z-I-A-N. Again, Black Martian, but with the Z. So you want to make sure that you are putting that in there so that you can find their work. Again, their work is really stunning in that it elevates not only the wearer, but those around it, the viewer, those who see someone wearing this. It has impact. It reverberates. And part of that is that their work is based on a contemporary visualization of Black liberation. That's Afrofuturism in a nutshell, but that's also just what their work is. And so it's really important, I feel, for you to to see their work, to see what that looks like, to get really the impact of what their work is about. So with that said, Again, all the links will be in the description box. And yeah, just thank you again for being here. It's been a while, but really excited to share this interview. And let's just dive right in. Well, currently I'm actually uh, I'm actually on break technically, though uh, break for me is more so taking the time to uh, recenter myself and my work outside of uh, you know the daily hustle and bustle of trying to sell pieces to you know pay bills and so on. Um, so with this time, I've been spending 
some of my moments writing, uh, reading new things, uh, especially about uh, art and liberation and, and blackness mm -hmm. and queerness and time and all these things that, uh, you know, have a have a relationship with my work already. Um, along with that, I've been working on a few different collaborations with people, which is cool. Um, collaborating with people is definitely something I was very worried I wouldn't be able to get into, especially during the course of this pandemic, but yeah. somehow figuring that out, which is good. And I've also been working on like some pretty experimental pieces, um, some yeah. stuff that, uh, you know, is, is definitely, it's definitely out there. Um, I don't know if you consider my work out there already, but for me, when I'm looking at what I'm working on now, I'm like, uh-oh, this is, this is turning into something else. So yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the summary of what I'm up to right now. That's awesome. I, I am very curious about the term out there because I definitely, through following your work, you know, when I first saw the first head crest that you posted, I was like, ooh, this is super interesting. I've never seen this uh, for myself personally. And then to kind of see how it's been evolving um, to like the full face. Um, wh what would you even call those pieces? Are those like face crests? What, what is kind of the evolution there? Oh, yeah. I the yeah you got it i mean the the first thing that came to my mind when i made the first full face piece was i, I guess i had to call this a face crest at this point um, yeah i'm not sure where that's where i'll end up but definitely right now i've been calling them face crests yeah super fascinating what what has kind of i guess for me personally i'm so fascinated to know like where your journey started with just a second ago you were telling me that you've kind of been working on these for a lot longer than I was aware. What what brought you into working into this material and in this form? Yeah, well, I got started. This journey kind of has two different starting points. Um, back really for my whole life, I've been fascinated with metal. Um, you know, as a kid, I used to play a lot of video games, a lot of uh, like fantasy games and, and things like that. And I had a fascination with swords and magic and all that stuff in between. Um, I still do, but uh, I had one particular dream of like learning how to make my own sword someday. And mm -hmm. while I'm not there uh, yet, um, the sword making thing for me as a kid was really speaking to uh, like, yeah, my, my deep fascination with metal and uh, how it can be uh, shaped in so many different ways and, and how different metals have like vastly different properties and so on. And so mm. I finally got around to learning how to work with metal on my own. Uh, actually back in, back in college, um, it was maybe around like 2015, 2016, when I first started picking up metal and mm -hmm. started learning from YouTube videos. Um, I worked with metal clay. I'm not sure, are you familiar with metal clay at all? No, that's my first time hearing about it. Whoa, you might actually be really into this. Um, metal clay is pretty much exactly what it sounds like. It's a material that is uh, moldable and uh, sculptable in the same way that clay is, uh, but it's actually a clay-like composite of uh, an organic binding agent and then metal powder. And so you kind of like have this thing that's kind of like Play-Doh and you can shape it into different forms and whatnot. Once you're done forming it, uh, you let it dry out and then you toss it into a kiln uh, and heat it up, you know, over well to whatever temperature the metal needs around 2000 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. Uh, yeah. And then you take it out and it's a it's like an actual metal object. So I got wow. started with that because it was so accessible. Um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time on forums learning about metal clay. Um, which was really, really exciting. Uh, there are a lot of helpful people out there on the internet, which I'm grateful for. And mm -hmm. after learning metal clay, I was like, well, let me learn casting. And then finally, let me learn some, uh, like how to do machining of metal. Um, and so that's, that's at least where the metal part of my journey started. Uh, the other part of my journey, especially with like the head crest, started mm -hmm. with me growing up my hair. Um, I guess it was maybe like, Wow, two years ago now, where I had a really big afro, and I think actually when I met you, um, I might have might have actually had an afro um, growing, and yeah. doing that and growing it like so large for the first time in my life, 
really compelled me to start making jewelry that uh, functioned on the basis of Afro-textured hair. So that was the, the other part of this that's kind of led me to where I am today. Wow, that's super fascinating. Of course, knowing about shaping metal and that whole process is super fascinating. I'm curious, because I, I know that Afrofuturism is definitely a very hot, um, it's like the most probably expansive art um, movement that's happening right now. Would you consider your your work to be Afrofuturism and how has um, this collective um, focus on Afrofuturism kind of helped you build what you're doing? Yeah, it's, I would definitely say my work uh, is very, very much so um, within the scope of Afrofuturism. Um, I consider myself an Afrofuturist artist, and it's, it's really cool to see now how uh, Afrofuturism is taking off. I mean, I, I don't know necessarily if I uh, was paying attention too much, um, you know, when I was a really little kid, but I remember even back in high school, um, I started to see like more Afrofuturistic things popping up and I'm like, wait, is this a movement? Like, is it happening? Like, mm -hmm. is, is, is Black futurism here? Uh, and, to see, and to see the scope of what it is today uh, from like all the different authors who are writing fascinating texts to people who are like engaging in like, uh, you know, Afrofuturist political movements and so on. It's, it's really inspiring. Um, so yeah, I'm glad to be here and I'm glad to call myself uh, a, a practitioner of Afrofuturism. That's awesome. Is there any um, artists that you kind of have been inspired by or where you mentioned that you were inspired by like wanting to make swords and like this connection to metal, where does a lot of your inspiration personally come from? So aesthetically, I would say, a lot of my inspiration once again comes from uh, digital art, video game art, uh, and so on. I've been really into, uh, well, for better or for worse, uh, you know, when I was younger, I didn't actually encounter a community like deviant art, uh, but right. I kind of like started using Pinterest and things like that to, to source like different artists across the globe even who were making things that were considered Afrofuturism. And there's a long list. There's a long list of folks definitely um, who have like been paying attention to over the years. I would say philosophically, I've felt most inspired by Octavia Butler's works. Um, you know, it's, it's very hard to uh, not mention her whenever I'm talking about like who's who's been an inspiration. Um, to me, especially in the present. Uh, outside of that, I would say in terms of jewelry inspirations, um, Art Smith is definitely um, one of the people I first saw who kind of provided me with the reference point of like my own, you know, personhood actually existing in the jewelry industry. You know, I, I didn't mm -hmm. conceive of like a black queer person existing uh, in the jewelry realm prior to this, seeing some of Art Smith's work in a museum. So for me, that was profound. Um, and yeah, there's there's a lot of other experiences with different artists that have also motivated me greatly. Yeah. And actually, I guess uh, another question off of that, you, with you talking about um, collaborating with other artists, um, are those jewelry makers specifically? Or I've seen that you've um, worked with um, styling models to create these really beautiful uh, photography pieces. Where where are you kind of going with your collaborative uh, element? Yeah, I currently right now, um, the biggest collaboration I'm working on is with a dear friend of mine, um, Shannon. Uh, she's also a, a jeweler in Philly. Um, and we've known each other for pretty much our entire lives. Um, and so it's, mm. it's been neat to kind of be following each other's journeys um, inside of the world of, you know, making jewelry for people. Um, and also um, looking at our jewelry practice as a spiritual practice as well um, together mm. has been very interesting over the years. 
Uh, and so right now we're working on um, a couple of like major pieces. Um, we're working on uh, different things that actually, I would say actually, um, yeah, now that I, now that I like I make the connection here, but it's cool that we're talking about uh, spirituality in some ways here, um, because what we're working on are items that are commonly associated with spirituality. Um, so we're looking at making uh, like uh, prayer veils and, and things like that um, by combining metal um, with a few other materials potentially. Um, other than that, I would call it a collaboration though. It's not maybe necessarily how people typically see collaborations, but um, I, I've recently started a Patreon and I actually have gotten the opportunity to uh, guide uh, kind of this process where uh, another person and I are co-creating a, a head crest of their own. So that's really amazing. Um, it's probably like, oof, I'm just so excited to see like how the world reacts when this person's piece comes out because the, the spirit they put into it. Um, yeah, I'm just honored. <laughs> I'm very Ooh. honored. Ooh, that, that's a super interesting. So Wait, okay, because like I, I saw that you have a Patreon. Mm -hmm. So is this a patron that is kind of working with you to create a custom piece and they mm -hmm. also have a background in, in jewelry making? Or is this kind of like a person who's just like really inspired by you? How does that kind of work out? Because this sounds super fascinating. Yeah, so the, the Patreon itself, um, at this point, it's modeled as a, a way for anyone who's, like interested in any way in learning how to specifically make jewelry using some of the machinery I have access to. Um, it's mm -hmm. kind of like a uh, a pathway to, you know, utilizing the machines to, to make that work happen. Um, so it doesn't require any background whatsoever in making anything really. Um, and it relies on people sending me uh, drawings uh, based on a template that I send them first uh in order to like ugh, sorry brain scramble so they'll send me a drawing <laughs> uh basically the process uh goes like this uh i send them a drawing template for the head crest um they draw their designs on it they send it back to me um i kind of like recognize some elements that uh might need to be changed just so my machines can pull it off um mm -hmm. and also just so that the pieces you know has a structurally uh, structural integrity about it. And then after right. that, you know, a couple of tweaks um, and with their final approval, like I'll cut it out of whatever metal they want. And it's it's reminding me a lot of actually some of the experiences I've had uh, teaching uh, kids in general, especially um, during my time at mastering. Uh, so wow. it's pretty cool to see my Patreon kind of turning into this kind of classroom that I've always wanted to be in if that makes sense um yeah yeah <laughs> oh, I love that that really lights me up thinking about how you can take what you've you you learn that experience with mastery um and just in teaching and making it applicable in a way that feels really um wholesome to the work that you're creating that sounds and to also hear you get so light up lit up about it is of course really <laughs> um exciting as well has there you know kind of touching on what you mentioned about the spiritual aspect is that kind of coming through with your patrons on patreon are they kind of coming through with maybe a certain intention with the work or is it more like i really just want this cool thing what does that look like yeah yeah well, well the conversations I've had so far with folks on uh, Patreon, um, a lot of the ways that people have uh, discovered me, I've found has been through, um, how, do I, how do I describe this? So <laughs> most people I've been working with these days I've met digitally. Um, and the way that people find me digitally is through primarily uh, like certain hashtags on Instagram and so on. A lot of those hashtags will have like, um, if not some direct connection to uh, like 
spiritual terminology. Um, there is certainly like an adjacent hashtag that gets them uh, to my work. And because of that, um, namely with things like the Patreon, uh, a lot of the people who reach out to me um, in terms of design pieces for themselves uh, or, or even engaging with my Patreon, one of the things that stands out is their curiosity and like how my spiritual practice uh, relates to like the kind of work I'm creating and perhaps even to an extent, like how that can be shared with other people. Mm, that's super fascinating. And I guess I, to a question off of that is what is your spiritual practice as far as, um, cause I mean, just as an observer, these, these pieces feel very spiritual. They feel very, um, tied to something that's almost ancient, right? So I feel like there's a lot of intention there. What is that for you personally? Mm -hmm. For me, I mean, at the center of it all, um, I would say the way that I approach my work and how it relates to my, my spirituality, um, it comes from a standpoint of understanding blackness as a spirituality, um, extend, uh, understanding like what spirituality uh, has been associated with blackness, uh, what spiritual technology has been associated with blackness, and then uh, synthesizing those thoughts into things that are representative of, uh, you know, this broad Afrofuturistic scope of what it means to be. Uh, divine maybe uh when it comes to um the thought of like black bodies like what does it mean to um display divinity what does it mean to display like uh uh like magnificence and so on so a lot of my work is rooted in um really learning about how other people view their spiritualities and kind of sitting with that for a long time, like dreaming about that stuff, learning from that stuff, and then expanding my scope of what it means to be um, Black and spiritual so that I can then like interpret that stuff into pieces that reflect some of those motifs, reflect some of those um, meanings that, you know, we all carry. Yeah. Ooh, that's really beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> of course. Of course. I've been, especially during this quarantine, just sitting and thinking about stuff, um, you know, talking yeah. to so many different people and seeing how our lives are like expanding in these, what I consider like very new, but also very like strangely similar ways. I don't know if you felt the same way at all, but like I'll talk to people uh, now about certain like very heady things I feel like I'm thinking of. And then somehow it'll pop up and things they're saying, and I'm like, wait, you're thinking about that too. Um, so I don't, I don't know if you've experienced that kind of synchronicity at all, but that's uh, it's definitely been on my mind lately, um, especially as it relates to my work and interpreting, uh, you know, Black spirituality through my pieces. Yeah, no, I, I think there is a lot of interconnectivity for sure right now. I'm curious, is this something that's kind of what you came up yourself or does it have a history in other places? Mm -hmm. I mean, I personally like to think that um, this work is not mine. Uh, it's not mine. It's a, it's a lot of different people's. Like when I think of uh, even, even on the idea of like, who am I inspired by? Like so much of the design work that I've done. Um, sure. I think technically I, 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 there's certainly a ground to, uh, especially by uh, the U.S.'s conventions of patents for me to say like, hey, no, like this is actually like an original format. You know, you can't find uh, like the 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 way that I've constructed these pieces. As far as I've seen, there's no uh, precedent that has been made for that. Um, there's been a lot of similar headwear across the globe. I think that that works in different ways, but because of how these pieces specifically function on the basis of um afro textured hair um it is like you know unique in that way but um for me that's not that's not really the focus at this point um and i don't know if i like sit in that space for too long i'm like saying that's mine and like i did this because i know my work comes from 
talking to other people um, and learning about other people's lives and interpreting it um, through like my own understanding, which mm. once again, there's a there's an honor there that, uh, you know, I don't take for granted in my work, um, you know, trying to synthesize how other people feel about the world around them into what I do. Um, I try my best to, to not uh, be too narrow-minded about it, if that makes sense. Right. No, I think, I, I think that is really humbling to hear because I feel like, um, and this is not a bash on anybody, but within the artistic community, there is this uh, relationship with um, creation or craft that can sometimes become um, very much, well, I, this is my idea. And, you know, I respect that to what it is, but I think it's um, very powerful what you're saying as far as like, this is a transformative experience for you. It's not just a matter of, I have a product it's a journey is what mm -hmm. it sounds like with that connection to people and conversation yeah I mean and I will say that I didn't I didn't start here like when I started um I started with the sense of spirituality about it for sure um I will say I don't I don't know what I know now um in terms of my spiritual relationships with this I just didn't have that uh in the past and I will also say that, um, you know, I also had to, I had to work myself through unlearning a lot of the things I've learned about ownership of like my work and ownership about like, I don't know, originality and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, you know, I think it would be very boring if at the end of the day, like I decided to uh, patent this thing and, and uh, like keep anybody else from making it because then we're only going to see stuff that's made by me. And that's, that's not what this is about. Like my vision of this is a lot smaller in comparison to the, you know, the broader vision that everybody could have, um, you know, and being able yeah. to design these pieces. So I actually did make a point um, recently to uh, release the, the template for uh, making like head crests and, and nose crests and so on um, for free um, uh, underneath the Creative Commons license because yeah, I totally want to share this with people. Um, <laughs> I don't see this being what I I would hope it could be without sharing it with people and without like removing myself from you know that hierarchical sense of this is mine. Wow, that's that's really powerful. I think that that says a lot, um, not only to the intention that you're putting with this, because there's a lot of power in empowering others, obviously, like with your Patreon, you're, you're literally, it's a sense of empowerment. Like it, it really goes back to like, what is the core value for you? And, and that mm -hmm. is so beautiful that it is like, it is all about empowerment and empowering individuals who might wear your pieces, but also who might want to um engage in this this craft as well mm -hmm. and also make it so that no one can like just corner it and be like oh i found this it's mine like no it, it's everybody's that's yep. really revolutionary yep yep and i think that uh i think that you know for me i kind of got here also from of course experiencing like a lot of marginality myself growing up um a lot of like being othered and in different ways that you know i'm still processing to this day um and so there's an aspect here for me spiritually also of you know celebrating what is othered um you know acknowledging what is othered and and not necessarily making a spectacle out of what is othered but for those who are othered um providing a means of, especially out in public, like protection through visibility in some ways. Um, mm. You know, <laughs> I have a lot of stories of uh, people who have uh, worn my pieces out um, in public and the kinds of things other people say to them and the ways they are acknowledged. Um, it, it's fascinating. It, it, it's amazing to see how something like jewelry can dramatically change the perception of a person in a way that, you know, has the world acknowledging you in a whole different way. Um, you know, when I'm out wearing some of my work, I get so many mm -hmm. questions. And it was strange for me because when I first started this, I was like, 
I kept to myself. Like I, I didn't want to talk to people. Um, I was very, very shy. But then the more I more the more I wore my workout, um, you know, random people walk up to me every day and ask me, like, hey, what's that you're wearing? And like, you know, people ask me outright, like, hey, what's your spirituality? And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> like <laughs> we just met for sure. You know, I'll answer that and we could go in. Um, you know, so many moments that uh yeah, also at this point have definitely been an inspiration behind me starting to write more and more lately because there it's just too much, <laughs> too much to hold up here. Like I, I gotta yeah. put it down because some of the stuff people say to me is <laughs> yeah, amazing. That's so funny. I can't even imagine just being asked, like, what's your spirituality? Like, yeah. but like randomly on a train or like out just walking. It's like yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's a like hundred dollar yep. question. <laughs> right, 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 right. I I remember this one time. Um, I was just coming out of a PetSmart. I was at the PetSmart on uh, what is that, Washington Ave? I think. Um, and so I'm mm -hmm. walking down Washington Ave, and I'm I'm going to uh, get on a septa bus afterwards, and walking by the Dunkin' Donuts there, and you know this guy rounds a corner, and we almost bump into each other. Um just because we were both walking pretty, pretty briskly, I guess. Um, uh -huh. And we kind of like, we kind of like, oh, say like, oh, sorry, like, excuse me. And he looks at me and he looks away and then he doubles back and he's like, yeah. He asked me like, hey, hey man, what's your spirituality? And I'm like, <laughs> okay. And then we ended up waiting for the same bus together getting on the bus and having a full conversation about like spiritual wow. practices and like plants and things like that. And I'm like, wow, there's really so much you can, you can learn about a person just by like saying hi and asking a question. So that's also a big part of my work. Like there is a, there is a, a deep connective practice here between people that I'd like to continue uh, nurturing as well. <laughs> wow. That's, that's super fascinating. Is that kind of the most, like, I'm curious, what's the most, um, if that is, or what would be the most interesting question or comment that you received personally, just wearing your workout? Mm -hmm. Ooh, I think because, <laughs> because there's so many that have happened at this point, they're all, they're all just so amazing. Um, I kind of oh lump them all together as like one rapidly expanding uh, blob of, you know, awesomeness. Um, I will say recently, one thing that really struck me, um, I was in a shopping for groceries at a fresh grocer maybe had to have been maybe like a month a month and a half ago and I was just walking around you know masked up um, I was in the produce section and there was a person who was stocking the produce um, and he was kind of like you know he had his back to me I was like picking some peppers and he turned around and he was like whoops sorry let me get out of your way and then he did the same thing like he recognized like my face like something was different about it <laughs> um, yeah and, you know, he at the time I was actually wearing a, like a, a an aluminum, like silver colored version of this piece. And he looks away one moment and he looks back and he's like, hey, what does that on your head mean? Like, what does that stand for? And uh, talking to people in general, mass stuff and, and closed faces is, is very interesting now because you can't read necessarily like what is happening right. on a person's face. You kind of have to do like a lot of, uh, you know, reading mm -hmm. between the lines <laughs> um and so I'm like huh like <laughs> uh, how do I how do I describe like the the spiritual meaning of this piece you know as quickly as possible in this setting to another person um and so I described the piece to him and I said like well I call it the earth waker head crest uh it's for one who awakens the earth and others and he looked at me and he paused and he was like wow thank you for sharing that with me I, I never thought about that. And it was just like, just, I mean, I couldn't see his face other than like his eyebrows. And like, I saw the stare that he had as he like looked up and he was like, yeah, like that's a really nice sentiment. And I don't know, stuff like that feels really profound for me. Like yeah. just recognizing that someone's sitting with um, the meaning of an object that I've named and like that I take seriously and like for them to acknowledge it in that way randomly and publicly. It's just a lot of good feelings there. Um, and there's also yeah. a lot of stuff to wonder about. So there's plenty of more instances like that where people, you know, do uh, similar but different things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a very 
beautifully profound thing to hear as you're just restocking groceries or just like doing your job. Like how often do you have a moment to like, just in everyday life have to see something that makes you stop and question somebody, but then to have the answer be something that's like, boom, like that, that, that reverberates, I bet for, for people on just little bitty scales. That's super fascinating. Yep. Yeah. I always wonder what, what happens to like, what happens in other people's lives after um, like they see folks wearing some of this stuff that, that I make, like, you know, how does it stick with people? How does it, how does it, yeah. How does it ripple throughout like the rest of their lives possibly? I don't right. know, but I, I gotta, you know, wait and see, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it like, it really shows that this, this work that you're doing has such a, a crazy impact outside of just like the person who wears it and like mm -hmm. how, you know, empowering that might be for them, having people mm -hmm. look at them or acknowledge them in a way that is different. It's also the people that come in contact with that. I wouldn't even think about how, how big that impact is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. One of the biggest, um, you know, parts of me realizing just like, what kind of gravity was starting to kind of, you know, be built within my work. Um, it actually came from once again, like teaching, you know, I used to, at one point, um, I was uh, going to teach my, my middle school classes every day um, while wearing head crests. And it was really fascinating to kind of like notice how suddenly like different kids were starting to grow their hair out. Some kids were starting to like get the Afro pics and some kids were like, yo, like, can we, can we get some of those? Like, can we, you know, how, how can we do it? Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And at the time it was, it was just, uh, you know, also fascinating to me because once again, there's not really a precedent for the kind of jewelry I was like making and wearing. And so, especially in a professional setting, like nobody could really say anything to me because they're like, you know, there's sitting in a rule book, like, <laughs> um, like, right. Some of the stuff that I would wear would be like very out there, um, and it, it also felt cool to work within that that gray area because, yeah, it definitely led me to wear these pretty much everywhere and anywhere at any time. Oh, that's awesome! It's it's so cool to to see that impact for your students to see their you know someone, you know. I I feel like now looking back, a lot of my teachers were older and now that seems very different. You know, there's mm -hmm. a lot of younger teachers out there. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting to see how that, like, as that age gap gets a little smaller, there's like more of like, oh, the teachers are actually doing cool things. <laughs> like right, right. actually doing really, and like having that moment of like being like, oh, that might be something I want to do as well. Seeing that yep. connection yep. is beautiful. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely, um, definitely been putting some wind in my cells. Um, at some point, I, I really want to uh, reinvest myself at least into teaching artistry, um, namely with kids, because I, I miss it. Like I, I just feel that that in my you know heart, uh, there are a lot of things that I felt like I learned from uh, working with kids that I, I wish I could continue like building on and continue um discovering and, and learning about so I'm curious have you been thinking about doing workshops since teaching is like a thing you know that's something you're really passionate about you're doing that through patreon um I guess thinking post-covid world is is that part of your dream your future growing this absolutely um one big goal of mine um, that that existed before COVID, um, COVID actually kind of maybe for better or for worse um, put a hold on these plans. But I was actually really interested um, in in starting a, a makerspace of sorts with some other folks. Um, I'm not sure what that looks like now, and, and you know what that'll look like uh, after COVID. But at the very least, I'm absolutely interested in doing things like workshops. Um, prior to COVID, I was running uh, 
like a couple of um, metal smithing courses uh, out of my apartment. And, you know, that was very cool because, you know, I had all the tools right there um, and it was, you know, a very comfortable uh, and cozy space. And uh, yeah, having those experiences has definitely um, kept a fire going in my heart uh, in terms of wanting to do more workshop uh, things in the future. Awesome. When you're talking about the collaborative spaces, I, I want to circle back again to um, your collaborative work because now that I'm thinking about it, you mentioned a veil and I mm -hmm. wanted to ask what that kind of looks like using metals or what, if you want to talk about mm -hmm. what that can look like or what that means, what that significance is. Cause mm -hmm. I'm like really interested again, as a spiritual tool, mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. is that? What does that look like for you? Mm -hmm. I would say that uh, in terms of like the physicality of it uh, or the material, the materiality of it and metal, um, there are really, um, I feel like a stunning number of ways that uh, having access to the kinds of machinery that I have access to um, allows you to make like smaller parts that can um, interlock with one another. And so, you know, typically when we think of um, metal pieces interlocking with uh, one another, we think of things like chain mail. Um, mm. When you're able to like, greatly alter and customize the shape of those pieces and the size of those and so on, you can really get uh, different things that have overall very different structural properties because the tinier shapes, um, you know, contribute to the, like the shape of those tinier shapes contributes to the, the whole thing in a lot of ways. Um, so there's, there's a lot to be said on that. And um, I would say in terms of the spiritual aspect of it, um, so I'll give a little bit of background on myself because um, I think it's important here, especially when talking about uh, my spirituality. Um, I grew mm -hmm. up in I grew up in uh, Philly and I grew up in a, a Muslim family. Um, and so for me, at an early age, um, there were a lot of uh, like ideas about uh, modesty, about uh, covering, and so forth that. Um, have been a part of my life for a very long time. And while I'm not Muslim now, um, I found that for me, there is still a, a spiritual characteristic um, about even the clothing that I wear and like how I, how I cover myself, you know, like even my jewelry um, is a form of, of covering for me. And so when I think about um, what covering does, especially as like a, 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 uh, like a thing that functions in public and, and that changes people's like interactions with you. Um, for me, the prayer veil is another exploration and like, yeah, that spiritual aspect of, of covering and of like revealing if you want to say and so on. Um, yeah, I, does that, does that kind of touch on uh, at least some of the spiritual um, ideas about the veil? For sure, because when you were talking about a veil, you know, knowing your work is is metal, I was mm -hmm. kind of like trying to picture what that looks like and what mm -hmm. the intentionality, um, mm -hmm. what kind of what veils mean, because of course that that looks so different, but that makes a lot of sense mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. now knowing that background. Um, mm -hmm. Since I was not aware that you grew up in a Muslim household, so that yeah, yeah. that gives a lot more uh, context there. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's also been interesting, uh, of course, like to to recognize how, especially at this time, since I have so much time to like sit and process and meditate on different parts of my life, it's really neat to be able to pay attention to how things that were earlier, like in my like things associated with spirituality that happened earlier in my life. Um, you know, it's 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 cool to notice how they're popping up now and like how those threads continue to run in my life. Um, maybe not in the way that, you know, they were initially constructed, but they're still there in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, that's super fascinating. I guess, would you say that you've kind of um, adopted certain things or like reframed certain things as you're going through your own personal journey and creating this work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that there's been, 
yes, a lot of um, a lot of reframing, a lot of um, understanding and picking and selecting and and um, constructing like a almost like a, a, a piecemeal spirituality um, in a lot of ways of, of different things that I've learned to honor, um, whether it's through my ancestors, uh, whether it's through my elders, whether it's through, um, you know, people I meet of the same age who, you know, put me on to something that really resonates with that part of me that exists outside of me um, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I definitely have a, a lot of different things, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. I feel like there's a lot of people generationally, especially like I personally came from a super Christian household. So like Mm -hmm. how, Mm -hmm. how to piece, like what, what serves and what doesn't and how Mm -hmm. to make it, um, work best for you is of course the most empowering part of spirituality. So it's really cool to, to see how that has, um, progressed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm, especially as I've been like learning more from other people about Afrofuturism, I'm just excited to see how this stuff continues to evolve, um, you know, inside of me and outside of me. Uh, It's just such a different, Afrofuturism as as an approach to understanding the world is just such a a different, like it it generates such a different reality than the one that I feel like I um, was formally instructed to exist in that I'm just seeing a lot of, a lot of new possibilities, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. And I guess to grow off of that or go off that, um, what is kind of the future that you see these going in? Yeah. Well, I don't know if I can necessarily like paint a picture of that future, but I do know the questions that I'm asking myself as I head towards whatever you know, and, and maybe the questions that I'm asking myself uh, can paint the picture of maybe where this stuff is heading. Um, so lately, I've been thinking a lot about um, the digital identity uh, and how actually, you know, the more I sit with it, a lot of my work um, has a lot to do with the digital identity and how the digital identity is becoming something that uh, needs like needs care like needs attention like needs to have um as much of an understanding uh as you know our physical identities have um so i'm thinking a lot about like how our digital identities are merging and not merging with our physical ones and what that means for how we appear in both realms um i'm thinking a lot about machines i'm thinking a lot about how machines um, are currently actually entering a, a, a pretty big period of um, like being able to exist in a realm of domesticity um, as in like I've got some wacky machines in my house <laughs> um, and I don't know if people realize like what you can put in your house and run without people you know hearing it or whatever but we actually have access to some pretty cool technologies um, there's another conversation about what accessibility means, of course, right now, but mm-hmm. at the scale that um, I'm working at, there are a lot of like large industrial machines that, um, you know, were the workhorses of, of production in our society, so to speak, that are now um, in a form factor that can fit inside people's houses. And so I've been wondering, like, what can grow from that? Like, if people can make things, um, you know, if people can grow closer to machinery in this time and grow, close, grow, grow closer, sorry, to like robotics and things like that that can, um, you know, exist alongside us in our, in our homes and living spaces. Um, so more on that maybe at some point, because there's definitely some pretty wacky, not wacky, I'm not going to call them wacky. I, there's some big ideas there that I'm always excited to talk about. Um, and yeah, I've also been thinking a lot about time, um, you know, how to describe time, how to reframe time once we um, remove ourselves from like uh, like chronocentricity that is the focus on um, white settler colonial forms of time and so on. Um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in between even those three things that uh, maybe if you can imagine uh, how they would influence my work, should I explore them? Uh, that's yeah. the, the vectors I'm going off of. <laughs> 
I love that. There's a lot to, um, yeah, to sit with there as far as really uh, big picture themes. I feel like in talking to you and, and talking about your work, it's it's a lot of like, really it's big picture. It's all about the, the grand scope of things. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I know, I don't know if you're comfortable talking about this, but over the summer, I know um, you were putting together pamphlets. Again, it kind of brought in like this activism to your work, which I, you know, it already feels very activism in its own way. Like the spiritual work um, is all is usually very tied to that. Mm -hmm. um, but you mentioned your writing and I know you put out your pamphlet. Um, I'm curious what that aspect of your work um, looks like in the future or how, how did that help through processing things? Yeah, if you want to talk about that, what what's coming up for you around that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought up the pamphlets. Um, that feels so long ago. It feels strangely long ago, and then not too long ago at all. Um, yeah, that that was definitely uh, generated from a lot of the feelings I've been having about um, the limitations of my work. Like I think that. Mm -hmm you know, there are things that I've been learning how to articulate visually um, through like some of the things that I, I make for people to wear and so on. But there are, I think, limitations. And I think, especially at the time um, that the pamphlet came out, you know, there are uh, a lot of a lot of protests happening, um, a lot of like activism being generated on Philly. And at the time, I was like, like I want to I want to be in the mix of this like I want to be doing something for this and I was like I don't know if Haycrest or, or whatever are gonna actually do the kind of work that I'm trying to see be done in this moment and so I've always loved writing um I've always like processed a lot of things through writing and in that moment in time I was like well let me pick up the pencil and like actually try to make something that uh you know affects affects um how people are communicating about different things related to what's happening now um, in a way that maybe uh, I thought my head crest couldn't. I will say that um, I then had to think about that a little bit more. I was at one protest and actually a, a friend of mine who I hadn't seen, you know, since or like for a long time prior to that protest happening, um, I spotted them in the crowd from a long distance away and I spotted them like we we locked eyes and saw each other because they were wearing a head crest that I made for them and I was like oh snap like I haven't been around people like <laughs> really at all and like to have that moment it's like you, you know it's kind of like a movie moment like you turn and like it's people like all between you and I don't know we like zeroed into each other we we're like whoa um so that wow. also made me think a lot about like okay, how can my work actually be a part of like moments that people have um, in great times of, you know, activism and whatnot. So yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot to think about. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's super interesting to have that like moment. It really, it, it shows um, where the energy is at, where that energy is going. I think that mm -hmm. that really stands to that. And I think that's an interesting point to, to that you said about wanting to say more than the head crests can, mm -hmm. because I feel like they say so much. It's so, mm -hmm. it's so fascinating to hear that because through this whole conversation, hearing how, how much impact there is, whether it's through the conversations that you have one-on-one -on -one with people and like people wearing them, like, it's interesting to see that ripple effect and to also mm -hmm. see where that energy is going. It's really mm -hmm. interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I mean, also on that note, you know, that's also why I've been writing a lot about time recently um, because mm -hmm. I think that everybody now has had to like greatly reevaluate their time in some way. You know, I think there are choices to be made in terms of um, approaching time now in the way that we approach time prior to the pandemic. I think everybody makes a choice there. Um, and I think there's a lot of, you know, validity to a lot of different choices uh, and all of that. Um, but at a, at a, you know, 
collective level, yeah, time is really moving differently than it was before. Um, and what do we do with that? Like, will we feel at some point that time has collectively for us all like slowed down in some ways and that like our brains sort of feel like, oh, like we're out of it or will things continue to be speedy? I don't know, but I'm writing about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. So I, I, I'm I, curious, is that writing that you're going to share is this with with um writing and making your work is that kind of a format that you see continuing to kind of like basically extrapolate if that's the right word I'm I'm using it correctly extract more out of what you're creating is that kind of the the end goal for you definitely uh I recently actually uh, redid my website and before redoing it um it was definitely reading it, um, it, it, it can definitely be read as, you know, a, a you know, pretty by the books uh, online storefront, I feel like. Um, I was proud of it. Uh, <laughs> I felt good about it, but it was, you know, functional specifically to like tell people about my work and, and serve as a platform for people purchasing my work. Um, I recently made the choice to redo it and instead place like my writing um, and my blog posts um, front and center. And mm -hmm. That for me, just for me personally, um, outside of like what responses I've gotten from people about the different things I've been posting, for me, it feels so much more aligned with how I understand what my work is. Like, you know, my, my design process actually involves like a lot of writing about stuff. Um, I do a lot of drawing too nowadays, though I didn't really before. Um, that's definitely a newer development. But like, a lot of my ideas and that, like and things like that actually came from me like writing out stuff and like just like exploring through like you know written language um and so i love that i would i'm at a point now where like i'm able to recognize how important that is to my work to like place it as a central element on my digital like internet presence because now you know people not only see my work but they see like what's going through my head while i'm actually like making this stuff. And I think that that provides like reference points that I think are definitely going to allow more people to um, get to know me without necessarily like being in the same room as me, which is also, you know, connected to the digital identity stuff we were talking about. Yeah. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Because I feel like um, especially now as as artists and creators, there is a, a need you know, if someone wants to buy something from you just off of how cool it looks or they connected it that way, that's really awesome. But as a creator, there is that added like layer of getting to know this person mm -hmm. is where you kind of honor their work even deeper. And I feel like more people with large corporations, you can't do that. There's more desire. And that really does fill that that niche need as far as like understanding who you are and like, what is the purpose? Because mm -hmm. people can put their own purpose behind it and that's beautiful, but it's, I think it's really fascinating, you know, in just a few words, you, you like break it down very like <laughs> deeply. What is the intention? Boom. And, and that's, that's super necessary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I think that, you know, maybe in the future, I'll explore different mediums for doing that. I know that when I think about what I naturally or most immediately feel like I want to do online in terms of connecting with people through my work, um, definitely video making uh, provides like a layer of anxieties that I'm slowly but surely uh, working through. <laughs> um, you know, whereas writing feels like, oh, I can write, like I'll, I'll write a couple of paragraphs out, no sweat, and I'll be happy to like show people myself through that. Um, so maybe at some point, like I can connect the two and do some uh, videos with, with uh, you know, cool captions or something on them somehow. But right now, writing has definitely been um, allowing me to generate a relationship with people that I don't feel like I was able to generate before through, you know, just posting pictures with uh, captions on Instagram and so on. Right. That makes a whole lot of sense. And... I'm curious as far as like photo like photography, because the pictures of your work 
make a big difference. Um, is your work, do you do your own photography for your pieces? Is that all what you do? Yeah, uh, I would say probably like 90% of the pictures on at least my Instagram and website. Well, all the ones on my website are, yeah, yes. Uh, yeah, I pretty much do all the photography. Um, I have gotten the opportunity to collaborate with some some really neat folks in the past. Um, right now, pulling that off feels a little bit uh, not necessarily my taste, um, though I know, you know, folks are folks are figuring it out. Um, my preference is to maybe put that on hold for now. Um, but yes, photography for me has been a big part of my work. Um, when I started out, I realized that I didn't know anybody uh, and that it would be like pretty pretty hard, at least from the get-go for me to um, find people to like, uh, you know, shoot with and things like that. So I was like, well, I have a camera and like, I have like, you know, a room with relatively good lighting. Like, let me figure out how to work the camera and take pictures of myself. And once I did that, I started like exploring like how to take pictures of other people and how to apply like um, different feelings to the pictures and so on. And while I don't have a lot of a lot of picture taking that occurs now outside of like selfies. Um, I definitely have been thinking a lot about how I can explore photography more um, with the time that I have, because I, I think there's so much more to learn there right now. Yeah, I definitely think um, it, it it's so important to the work and it definitely shows like there's an element going back to what you're saying about like writing, you know, photography is so storytelling based mm -hmm. and it feels like <clears throat> there is a story that's being told through the way that you photograph either yourself or other people. Mm -hmm. um, what has been kind of your, your favorite experience, maybe working with another person or maybe even yourself that really was like, yes, this is the moment where I'm, I'm kind of like tapping into the potential of, representing what this art is mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean I, my first photo shoot that was that was something else it just it it, mm. it introduced me to a lot of different things that even today like I'm still thinking about and still wondering about um in terms of uh yeah what does it mean to capture the right kind of photo to like describe a piece, you know, online when I'm listing pieces on my site, for instance, um, I really only have like, uh, you know, maybe one or two pictures worth of chances to like tell somebody the story I'm trying to tell through this photo or, you know, fail at telling them um, at mm. that time. And so that first photo shoot was pretty, pretty cool because um, I was working with a, a friend of mine um, her name is Asmeen. She she actually does uh, her own uh, fashion line, which is pretty cool. Um, and we actually teamed up to pair some of her fashion work with, uh, you know, some of my pieces. And mm. I was also the photographer for this, um, <laughs> which was my first time, like, arranging and shooting a bunch of models at once. I I will definitely say, like, I, I was in over my head <laughs> this first time. Um, but because of the people there that were present, it like went as smoothly as it could. And, um, you know, the energy that the different people brought to it, um, I realized like how much getting to know them in that moment um, was actually positively influencing like how the different feelings I was looking for, um, for a picture to have, like, like there was just a relationship there, you know, like, you know, I learned like certain people in the shoot like like to do this kind of thing. And so as I was shooting, I was like, well, how can we play off of that? And yeah, I seeing like photography even as like a, a conversational thing. That was when I started to um, kind of have that click for me um, in terms of running a shoot, because then I was like, how can I make shoots in the future feel more like conversations and not like, you know, stiff and, and you know, um, very like clinical. So yeah, that one was that one was iconic for me. <laughs> and there was great shots too. <laughs> mm, that's awesome. It's it's so cool to see how this this work that you're doing is is kind of like you're expanding through your writing, through photography to create this 
this like really all encompassing sort of um, experience for you creatively. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, these days I feel, I definitely feel like this is the most uh, <laughs> like, like I feel, I would say I feel 100% creative, whatever that, whatever that means. But I feel like mm-hmm. everything I'm doing now um, is like, woven into this um you know expansive creative practice that is my life now essentially um you know I just reached uh oh I actually maybe what was that January 17th January 17th made it a year of you know doing metal work full-time and and uh focusing on all of this stuff is my like primary way of living and surviving and yeah, I just feel different. I feel like everything I'm doing is so related now. I feel like the work never stops in a way that, um, I don't know, I actually enjoy given how hard it is. Like it's, it's a pretty bizarre experience, but I feel very like, uh, I don't know. I feel kind of like an outlaw sometimes, like I'm living outside (laughs) of like, uh, (laughs) like outside of the, the realm of, what I knew was possible before. And that feels cool to me. So I'm definitely trying to follow it. <laughs> That's beautiful. I'm so happy uh, to hear that. Also, congratulations on your one year uh, you. <laughs> anniversary, because that is that is super huge, especially considering, you know, the world was shut down for like the yeah, yeah. majority of it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. But yeah, like I I uh, am just really happy to hear that. That's that's so exciting, especially as like again, another former educator seeing seeing you grow and glow has been just really exciting, also inspiring. Um, but with that said, I would love for you to share with anyone listening where they can find you, follow you, and all those good things. Yes, of course. Well, I'm always available uh, at www.blackmargin.com. That's margin with a Z instead of a, a T. Um, common mistake. <laughs> um, and you can also find me on Instagram at blackmargin as well. Um, I love like swapping emails with people um, and, and learning about each other's lives. Uh, and you could also probably get my number through that too. So, yep, feel free to feel free to reach out. I would love to talk with anybody who's interested in, in sharing some space and time with me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Akil. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a pleasure.